This is the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood rose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was very great. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. You may be seated. Good evening, everybody. My name is Morgan and I am the associate pastor here at Incarnation just want to pray for us as we get started. Well, Holy Spirit, we are grateful for this breeze and for the sunshine. And just thinking about the ways that you come and you blow into dark and cavernous places within us and you illumine us. Would you do that by the testimony of your servants tonight? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So tonight we heard a parable about two different people who were building houses. There's one person who digs down. They dig a deep foundation that they lay, and it's, it's just the right thing that you're supposed to do when you build a house. The house is still standing after water hits against it and just keeps passing by. There's another person who builds a house, but instead of building a foundation, they've built this house right onto the ground. It's a house that is essentially a heavy tent with no tent pegs. So it's no surprise that floods would come and they would hit the house and then the house would just crumble and wash away. It's this story that Jesus calls us to build a strong foundation, which he defines as somebody who listens to his words and then puts them into practice. The house that's built on a firm foundation is the life that's seeking to learn the words of Jesus and then to live them out. It's Jesus's words where we find healing, where we find deliverance. And yet there are a lot of people in our neighborhoods or in our apartment complex, wherever you live, who don't yet know the saving or the healing power that's found in our resurrected Messiah, Jesus. So those of us who are baptized in Christ and who believe in him are the church. The church is the place where Jesus's words are heard, where they're taught, and where they're lived out. And as one small instantiation of the church, Incarnation Anglican, since it was even just a thought in the mind of God, uh, and then us as well, uh, since it's very planning stages, it's sought to be a place that's welcoming its neighbors in with the love of Jesus. We've 
hoped that we would be a continual presence in South Arlington, a presence that seeks to love the words of Jesus and that loves to live them out. So this worshiping community, Incarnation, just launched roughly about five months ago. And it was a small team of people that was thinking about small groups in the fall. Those small groups we did were called common tables. How many of you were in a common table? There's a lot of you. Thank you for being a part of those common tables. That was the, one of the first things that we did where we just had a simple meal together and we had neighbors over. And the point was just to situate ourselves in the neighborhoods. Who are our neighbors? We want to be inviting and we want to have good, trusting relationships with the people around us. And you all worked really hard at building those relationships. And it was fun to watch some of you and even to just be able to pop over to your house for dinner. It was a huge gift. At the beginning of January, those common tables had ended and we started this new thing called the South Arlington Dinner and Dialogues, where we were using the helpful curriculum that the Alpha Course produced to create a space where we could have a discussion together and we could create a space for hospitality and welcome. So we rented out the theater on the run over on Four Mile Run. And every week we had an amazing catered meal, thanks to Esther. And then it was followed by an amazing joke. Uh, and then an awesome video and discussions around various tables where people get a chance to talk about the big questions that they have in life and about faith. And then a couple weeks ago, as was mentioned earlier, we had our first retreat together, which was a blast. And it was a chance to focus on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit as part of this curriculum of the dinner and dialogues. So Reverend Liz and I and Amy were thinking about how great of an opportunity it would be for us all as a community to have a chance to reflect back on what God has been doing. And so how have the dinner and dialogues helped us become a community that's growing in worship and welcome and wonder? So we invited Grant and Nancy Sung this evening to share with us a bit of what they've learned about God and about the church through the South Arlington Dinner and Dialogues and how that can be helpful for incarnation and its goal to welcome its neighbors with the love of Jesus. As we think about building this house on a solid foundation, we want to continually invite people into a community where Jesus' words are taught and where his words are lived out. And so I'm very grateful for the ways in which Grant and Nancy live this out. These two have an incredible depth of wisdom, and they have seen a lot of the global church. They're creative people, they're brilliant people, and they're people who are super interested in investing in other people's lives. And so we're so grateful that you came to Incarnation and that not only did you come to Incarnation, but you basically started plugging in on your second Sunday here. So we're so grateful for the ways that you both pursue Jesus in such a thoughtful and an invitational way. You make this community better. And it's a gift for us to see the many ways that you selflessly love other people and that you desire to disciple other people in Christ. And so I'm going to invite Nancy up first, but I would love to pray for both of you as you come up. Well, Lord, I do thank you for Grant and for Nancy for the ways that they love you and the ways that they see you at work in their neighborhoods and in South Arlington 
and the ways that they join in with that work. Lord, may we hear your words through them tonight. Would you challenge our hearts? Give us encouragement where we feel weak and challenge us where we're feeling a little slothful. Lord, help us to see as you see. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Wow, Morgan, what do I say? <laughs> so thanks. It's a, it's a privilege to be here and to add to what Morgan shared about the ways that the Dinner and Dialogues are helping us build this young church's foundation. And what I wanted to do was to give you not necessarily a story of my experience, but a reflection on that experience. It might be more of the, the wonder part of the, of the equation. And then Grant is going to give you more of uh, his experience of participating. So what struck me most about the Dinner and Dialogues was not so much the content of the video series, series that we um, viewed, um, because that focused on uh, how one might have an individual encounter with the person of Jesus and focused kind of in that way. What struck me more was the illustration I saw of, of how we collectively are becoming incarnation. What does it mean to become the church is kind of the picture that I was getting as the course went on and throughout the retreat. So I want to reflect on that for a few minutes. So I recently read the book Anna Karenina um, for the first time and was amazed at Tolstoy's observations about people. So early on in the book, he describes a family like this. Every person in the house felt that there was no sense in their living together and that the stray people brought together by chance in any inn had more in common with one another than they the members of the family and household, household of the Oblonskys. So you might look around on a Sunday evening and think, maybe it's kind of like that here um, sometimes. Um, but the beautiful thing about a church plant is that the people who are drawn to it, to want to be part of its foundation, to carry its DNA, they're thinking, the church is us. You look around, there's nobody else. The church is us. And it's very organic and very real. So incarnation is the word made flesh. It's muscles and tendons leveraged against bones. It's in motion. It's alive. It's dynamic. It can grow stronger. It can lift a heavy load. It can be hungry. It can sense danger. It can, it can um, be wounded. It can be vulnerable. It's a body. So that reminded me of a passage in Ephesians 4 where Paul writes about the church as the body of Christ. We will grow to be, become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So the body is not just a pile of parts. They're interconnected, they're coordinated, but so is a machine, right? A machine is interconnected parts that might perform a complex task, but none of us would argue that a body is interconnected in the same kind of way as a machine. It's much deeper. So in, in a machine, you might have parts made of metal, some made of plastic. None of them are, have any real relation to the others or can tell you about the identity of the other parts. There's something deeper about the interconnectedness of a body. It's not just a bunch of parts or a collection even a collection of cells. 
So when Paul wrote Ephesians, he didn't know about DNA. Now, I bet he would have worked it in if he had into that passage. So what do we know about DNA? So we know a couple things. We know that DNA is what identifies a collection of cells as being from one body, containing the unique and complete set of instructions that will result in the assembly of a body whole with nothing missing. So we also know that the DNA is uniform inside every cell. It contains identical information. But those instructions don't make every cell identical, marching in lockstep throughout their lives. As an embryo develops into a body, different parts of the DNA are expressed at different times, differentiating the individual cells into different roles. And it's still a bit of a mystery. How does the embryo know when and how to differentiate into every kind of cell and tissue that our body needs? Neurons, bones, skin, even after they're fully differentiated, they keep their full complement of DNA inside them while they go about doing the work that they have to do. So DNA is what gives every cell in the body its sense of belonging, and the DNA reveals whose body it is. So back to Paul's metaphor, the body of Christ, what is it that makes us more than just a collection of cells, a, a pile of parts, more than a machine with interconnected parts? So back in, again, back in Ephesians, um, Paul writes, you who were included in Christ, belonging in Christ, when you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance or our place in the family. So it's the Holy Spirit placed in us that gives us our sense of belonging. And I found that Paul Brand, who a, a, was a missionary surgeon um, and author, who I, I love his work, he expressed this beautifully. I'm going to read a, a quote from one of his books. The Holy Spirit brings with him that quality of communion or in-betweenness that defines Christ's body as decisively as DNA defines my own body by imprinting itself in each of my many cells the spirit does not approach me in the solitude of my own soul, for that would leave me alone and unreconciled to my neighbor. Rather, he calls me to join a body that binds me in love with a community of diverse cells. Each individual cell awakens to the conscious reality of the larger whole. So to bring this train into the station, okay, what does this have to do with the dinner and dialogues? Okay, I could wax poetical all night about this stuff. But what I saw over the weeks that we were together was a fleshing out and embodiment of the gospel. We invited our own neighbors, and we cared for each other's neighbors. We invited them into conversation about the good news of reconciliation that has transformed us. And on the retreat, there was unhurried time to be together, and a couple of things struck me. One was hearing people express their heart for their neighbors and their aspirations for incarnation. This was evidence of the Holy Spirit at work in us, evidence of the DNA I saw in those around me, uh, revealing whose body we are. And the second was the sense of care for one another within the body that I saw expressed in our time of prayer together. I also saw this as time went on through the retreat. You sort of picked up the different ways people were contributing that might have been invisible if we hadn't been together for a while. You begin to see the different parts of the body doing their different work. So I caught a glimpse of how we as incarnation are becoming the church. And so Grant will now give you a little bit more about what he, what he picked up. 
Thanks, Nancy Morgan. Okay, so you've all seen the creative and, and brilliant. Now it's my turn. <laughs> so Morgan asked us to give a brief testimony or story about things we observed and learned through the presentation of the Alpha Course through the, um, and through Incarnation's um, South Arlington Dinner and Dialogue series. So in the trainings, in several weeks of dinner and dialogues and on the retreat, I observed and appreciated and will try to internalize a couple of subtle and beneficial messages that were woven through uh, the Alpha curriculum. The first is captured in this verse, which might be familiar to you. It's from 1 Peter chapter 3, 15. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So there's a word out there, um, apologetics. You probably, most of you are probably familiar with this word. Apologetics is simply, it's the systematic defense of the reasonableness of Christianity, or what Peter, as Peter says, giving an answer for the hope that Christians have. Apologetics was very important to me when I first put my faith in Christ. And over the years, as Nancy and I have had opportunities to share our faith and to speak with others about what we believe, we have often tended to focus on giving answers to intellectual objections and questions. Now, the Alpha Course, while it did provide some classical apologetic defenses of the Christian faith, for example, the reliability of Scripture, the historicity of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, it also presented the clear message that those people considering Christianity need not have all their questions fully and exhaustively answered before entering a relationship with God. Indeed, that the nature of Christian faith is a relationship, a lifetime of speaking, listening, questioning, and receiving from God. So, lesson learned. When we share the gospel, the good news about Jesus, with neighbors, friends, and colleagues, I'm reminded that I cannot provide all the answers. Rather, we invite, we invite them into the relationship with God who will, through that relationship, fully satisfy both their intellectual questions and the longings of their hearts. Second lesson about the longings of our hearts. Um, Alpha, this, this lesson was delivered by Alpha and brought home by Galatians 5, verse 22, which reads, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. It's funny construction. Did you ever wonder what Paul means by um, against such things, there is no law? So these things, these virtues, the fruit of the Spirit, are contrasted to uh, the fruit of the flesh, which Paul writes about a few verses earlier, and among those are immorality, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, envy, things like that. I think what Paul means by um, against such things, 
the fruit of the Spirit, there is no law. He means that no one can argue that love, joy, peace, gentleness, self-control, no, nobody can argue that those things are not truly good and desirable. So that's another message that came home to me through Alpha, that there is an attractiveness, a goodness and a desirability to life in the Spirit. For me, it's useful to remember that the fruit of the Spirit is not simply a byproduct of my faith and a personal benefit to make my life better, but that our coworkers, our friends, our neighbors, they may actually long for a life that's characterized by the qualities of love, joy, peace, patience, etc., that are exhibited in your life through the Holy Spirit. They may not know that the way to get that life is through believing in Jesus, who gives us God's Spirit. A good reminder for me. During this cultural moment we all live in, when much in our world is characterized by discord, hatred, fits of rage, having a focus on culture wars may cause us and others to preemptively choose sides to avoid being on the losing side of issues. In such a time as this, it seems like just the right thing instead, in Christ's name, to welcome, invite, provide a meal and conversation, listen, offer a smile, a hug, or a prayer to our neighbors. In fact, I know that the free and trouble-free offer of Esther's catered meals was one incentive that made a difference to some of our friends who came. The final observation I made is that through the Alpha evenings and retreat, Nancy and I have learned a lot more about Incarnation Church. It was nice to be able to invite friends and colleagues to be with you and with us to work together every week to create a hospitable evening, not imagining that everything would be perfect, but knowing that it would be real and it would be good. Okay, and final, final observation is about Morgan. We learn that Morgan himself is, he's hospitable, relentlessly positive, and not above telling a joke, what my kids call dad jokes, <laughs> in order to make people groan and to initiate reflection and a beneficial conversation. Nancy and I are grateful for the opportunity to serve along with the church, and we look forward to continuing to work out the unique ministry and community that God has for us here at Incarnation. Thank you.